0: Good morning. I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It is November fifteenth, two thousand twenty-one. Continue our catechesis through the Book of Second Kings. It's a little gloomy out, so here let me make it a little bit brighter. There, we can see me a little bit better. Anyway, um, let's see. Anything else before we start? I don't think so. So let's begin. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Right, we have a new memory verse for this week, so let's say it together. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse
1: 22.
0: Why don't we say it again? For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. Our psalm this week is Psalm 133, which actually dovetails nicely with uh, yesterday's sermon text and also Bible study and talking about the office of the ministry. We pray it together. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, Uh, which is actually my task later this morning, is to join with the brothers of uh, the Three Circuits of Sheboygan County and lead them in uh, a book study. We're actually looking at this book by, I don't know if you can see it there, Gene Edward Vieth. It's called Post-Christian. All right. Hopefully I don't divide the brothers, but rather (laughs) provide some unity. Good. Our first reading today is continuation from St. Paul's letter to the Church in Corinth. First letter, chapter seven, beginning in verse twenty-five. Now, concerning virgins, I have no commandment from the Lord, yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. I suppose, therefore, that it is good because of the present this present distress that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loosed from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh, but I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short, so that from now on, even those who have wives should be as though they had none, and those uh, who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as though they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it, for the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the Lord. But he who is married cares about the things of the world, how he may please his wife. There there is a difference between a wife and a virgin. The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord, that she may be holy both in body and in spirit, but she who is married cares about the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I say for your own profit. Not that I may put a leash on you, but for what is proper, that you may serve the Lord without distraction. But if any man thinks he is behaving improperly toward his virgin, if she is past the flower of youth, and thus it must be, let him do what he wishes. He does not sin, let them marry. Nevertheless, he who stands steadfast in his heart, having no necessity, but has power over his own will, and has so determined in his heart that he will keep his virgin, does well. So then he who gives her in marriage does well, but he who does not give her in marriage does better. A wife is bound by law as long as her husband lives, but if her husband dies, she is at liberty to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she remains as she is, according to my judgment. And I think I also have the Spirit of God. All right, so this is kind of a fun section from St. Paul. Um, I think what's really important is you notice how he begins and how he ends this section, right? I have no commandment for the Lord, and yet I give judgment as one whom the Lord in his mercy has made trustworthy. All right, Uh, we talked about this in Bible study, that both there is, that which is spoken as the word of the Lord by the Lord's command, and then there's that, which is uh, really a matter of opinion or pastoral counsel, uh, which he even acknowledges here at the end, um, according to my judgment, verse 40, and I think I also have the spirit of God. So I think my judgment is is good um, because I've been given the spirit, you know, the apostolic uh, ministry. Uh, but all that being said, and Paul has it in view here that it's the end of days, right? And Jesus' own words, I believe, you know, that it would be better um, to not be married or not um, to be nursing children in those days, you know, flee to the hills, the abomination of desolation for Matthew 25. All right, so I think that's what Paul has in mind. Uh, it turns out he's not not quite so right <laughs> as far as his timeline. So like by the time of Luther, um, Luther sees the net effect um, that this has had on the Roman church where uh, the higher or virtu- more virtuous office is to remain unmarried um, in the medieval Roman church, right? So uh, being a-, a monk or a nun and being celibate, they see as a higher calling. And uh, Luther reverses that and says, you know, <laughs> um, I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. Um, and none of us does. So um, how about we, be, you know, unless we can remain Without sin, uh, in the unmarried state, that is without lust, um, having that kind of control over the will as he ta- as Paul talks about here in verse 37, uh, unless that's true, then then marry, right? Uh, enjoy the estate that the Lord has set up and uh, let it be well, actually the uh, the control, you know, where you're bound to another um, and you serve one another. let that be the way that the Lord exercised self-control um, within you all right. So, so, yeah, this is counsel from Paul, and I think it's appropriate, especially in the gray and latter days. That said, I think we have to recognize, even as he noticed, um, if, we, if you don't have power over your will, if you can't remain celibate um, without lust, then if that's not how sin is manifest in your life, then uh, seek to marry. All right? Good. All right. Our reading for Catechesis, then, is a continuation from Second Kings, now chapter 4. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. And it, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she began or she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her there is not another vessel, so the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God and he said, go Sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. All right, so this is the prophet Elisha, but remember, uh, we had a similar story back with Elijah, right? Think of of that story while I turn on some more lights in here. Aha, now you can see me better. All right, yeah, that was uh, when Elijah came to the widow's house. And remember, it was more than just oil. It was the flour and the oil was not used up, right? You remember that story? All right. Um, so the woman who came to Elisha here, describe her. Uh, she's the wife of a prophet, and she has uh, two sons, right? Her husband has been among those prophets. Remember these uh, company, uh, or sons of the prophets? We've met them, right? Remember by the Jordan, by the Jer- from Jericho. And uh, these are the ones whom the prophet, as he travels from town to town, will establish, right? Preachers instructed by the prophet Elisha in the Lord's word. That's what it means to be a son of the prophet. Uh, what does it mean then in specific when uh, it says here that your servant, meaning the prophet, feared the Lord? Right, or revered the Lord. Yeah, we don't talk enough about fear or reverence, I suppose. Right, This is um, that sense of awe or reverence in the heart toward God. I would suppose you could liken it uh, to that of the honor and respect that a child has for his father. Um, But it can also be the terror of the heart caused by the demands of God's law. So, you know, we should fear God's wrath and not do anything against them, right, from the catechism. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, but we fear love and trust in God above all things. Right? There's the positive sense as well. All right. There's a creditor. What's a creditor? Hmm. Well, the children knew the answer. I didn't know the answer. I had to work this through. But you, of course, know <laughs> someone to whom a person owes money. In other words, uh, when you are owe when you owe someone money, you are their slave. Right? And what payment was being demanded then? Yes, the two sons were going to be slaves. So again, just like with Elijah and the widow, so here with Elisha and the widow, um, the widow is like, we could liken unto the church, right? Uh, with two sons, what might, or who might the two sons be then? If the widow is the church, the two sons would be the Old and New Testament church gathered around, uh, together around Christ. Of course, being in a house, that reminds us of the church as well, right? <laughs> All right, lots of indications here. What did the woman have in the house? Yeah, she has but a jar of oil, a little oil, right? Verse 2. All right. Uh, of course, oil in the scripture signifies quite a bit. So let's see if we can think of some of them. All right, I'll give you a few. Um, Psalm 45 would be a good example. where It says, your lo- are You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your, lo- your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions, all right? The oil of gladness. Now what might the oil of gladness be? Isaiah 61, that famous song of salvation, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that that he may be glorified, right? So there's the oil of joy for mourning. Doesn't quite get to it yet, though, have it? All right, next uh, next Sunday you're going to hear about the wise and the foolish virgins who take oil in their lamps, right? Five were foolish who had oil, and five were wise who had oil, and five were foolish who did not bring sufficient oil. All right, so we'll have to hear, you'll have to wait to hear what the oil is there. <laughs> uh, you've heard it before. Well, how about, think about when oil is used it's used for anointing so it was joy and gladness right and there it's signifying wisdom um say in acts 10 uh, god anointed jesus of nazareth with oil Hmm? no with the holy spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed by the devil right so it's actually the holy spirit who is the anointing who is the one who anoints us with joy and gladness, right? Because he leads us to Christ for forgiveness. All right. Uh, What did Elisha then ask her to gather? Yeah, go and get a bunch of empty vessels, as many as you can find from your neighbors, right? Um, And these empty jars then, remember church, um, Old and New Testament uh, people gathered around Jesus. What might the empty jars then signify? Oh, we have the anointing of the oil with gladness. Well, maybe empty jars, empty vessels. You might think of St. Paul's words in um, 2 Corinthians. Let me pull that up. Chapter 4, uh, when he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. All right. So there he's referring to his own body as an earthen vessel, right? That the Holy Spirit fills up. So, uh, bodies of death that have been filled with life by the Holy Spirit, possibly. (laughs) All right, but what does Elisha tell the widow to do, of course? Yeah, go inside, shut the door with her sons and with the vessels, of course, pour oil into the vessels until each is filled. Miraculously, I might add. And the oil does not stop flowing until all the jars are full. Uh, of course, then he says, go and sell the oil and pay your debt and your, you and your sons live on the rest. What is, what's the word we usually use for paying of a debt? Churchy word, $10 church word. Now that would be the word redeem, to redeem, to buy back or to purchase back, right? In this case, from sin and death, death especially for them. Think about um, Leviticus uh, chapter 25 here. Now, if a sojourner or a stranger close to you becomes rich and one of your brethren, brothers, think of the sermon on Sunday, who dwells by him becomes poor and sells himself to a stranger or a sojourner close to you or to a member of a stranger's family, after he is sold, he may be, here's the word, redeemed again, right? Uh, Hebrew, that is, Ge'ela, excuse me or ge'ula. and one of my his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his uncle's son may redeem him Anyone who is near of kin to him and his family may redeem him or he if he is able he may redeem himself right that is to purchase himself ygaen galen there's different forms here yig gaol. Yeah, it's got all, I think, is redeem and then different forms. All right, my Hebrew's a little rusty there. Um, of course, what did the selling of the oil accomplish in addition to paying the debt? Yeah, it would give them enough money to live on. What does this teach us about our life in Christ and what he provides for us then? I think the church and the test, New, New and Old Testament, Christ at the center, oil of gladness, the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we would say that Christ has a, Provided an abundant treasure of life for his church through the work of the Holy Spirit in the word and the sacrament. And I think you'll hear more about that on Wednesday. All right, this is a story that illustrates the life of the church. We are debtors who cannot pay our debt, but the Lord provides for the payment of the debt. The two sons remind us that the church is built up in the Old and New Testament. Elisha offered a word of promise attached to a visible sign. The word of promise is good only within the house of the church. There the oil of the Spirit is poured out into empty vessels, that is, men who are filled with the Spirit through the preaching of the Gospel. The oil of the Spirit brings the payment of redemption to each of us that we might have all the treasure of Christ. Our debt has been fully paid and we live upon no other than Christ. The word of promise attached to signs is offered in the sacraments of the Church through which the Spirit keeps us alive. All right, good. We uh, continue to confess, as we did last week, the third article's explanation. Say it with me. I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens and sanctifies the whole Christian church church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. All right, we pray our collect for this week. That's interesting. Looks like the font is
1: different. That's no good. Let's make it the right font. Hold on. There we go. All right, now it
0: looks like everything else. thought it looked a little bizarre. We pray, O Lord, so rule and govern our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that ever mindful of the end of all things and the day of your just judgment, we may be stirred up to holiness of living here and dwell with you forever hereafter. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. On this day, we pray in Thanksgiving with Ariel, who celebrates her birthday, with Joel, who celebrated his baptism yesterday, and Jackie today. Pray for our households, especially this week, the households of Joan, Merlin, Greg and Sharon, John, Gary and Julie, David and Sherry, We give thanks to God for the fruitful labor of our auction committee. Pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering. Continue in our prayers uh, for Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, and Janice, Sandy, Pastor Moon, Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, and Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Continue to pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially the Federwitz family. We pray for intercession, in intercession for victory over the world. Pray for those grieving, especially um, both uh, Barb and Gary, who continue to grieve the death of uh, Reverend Herzog, but also Gary's mom, Verna. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray the Lord's Prayer Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things, Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Our focus this week is stanza one and two of How Can I Thank You, Lord? We sing.
1: I can holy your anger have All
0: right, we'll hold up there. We'll maybe sing the rest of it later this week. So it's good to have you with us here today for our congregation of prayer. Of course, you can join us each day at 9 a.m. And we pray together, uh, apart from Sunday, where we gather at 9.30 a.m. in person. Course for word and sacrament. Um, you can watch yesterday's uh, complete service, or you can catch the um, just the sermon. Or uh, I think even the Bible study should be available via podcast, maybe as a separate video clip if the audio worked. I think it was a little sketchy. So uh, go look, check those out too if you weren't able to join us in person yesterday. Otherwise, we'll see you again in the morning. Lord be with you all, and we'll see you then.